What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sauce Lab Podcast, and it is playoff time, baby. Finally, the NFL playoffs are here this coming week. We just were graced with a fantastic week of football. Last week, you guys heard, I was like, this might be a weird week. This might have some games that are good, some that are bad. Some of them came to play. The 49ers-Rams game and the Chargers-Raiders game, those two games in specific, fantastic football. The magic of Justin Herbert on fourth down was just baffling to me. The play and the entire time, I'm in text group chats with friends going, oh my god, it's a tie, it's a tie, it's a tie. If you guys watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Continuously back and forth and back and forth, like, what's gonna happen? What ended up happening... Chargers down two touchdowns, Justin Herbert puts the team on his back, leads a touchdown drive, Raiders give back up the ball, and with zero seconds left on the clock, Justin Herbert scores a game-tying touchdown, sends it to overtime. Keep in mind, if the two teams tie, they both end up going to the Super Bowl, or the Super Bowl, if both teams tie, they end up going to the playoffs together, so it would be beneficial for them to kneel it out and end the game. So all over Twitter, everybody's saying, oh, they're going to tie it. They're going to do a purposeful tie. And what ends up happening is the game keeps running, keeps running, keeps running. Raiders have a breakaway run on third down, on maybe it was second or third down, but that ended up putting it within a 40-second clock. Brandon Staley calls the timeout. They run another play, which actually puts them into field goal range, crazy enough. They call timeout with two seconds left and go on to kick the game-winning field goal. A lot of people then from that moment got extremely angry at Brandon Staley, saying, why could you have called that timeout? They might have just let the clock run. But I personally think, as a football fan, I was not weirded out whatsoever. That was definitely the right move because you don't know what the Raiders were going to do. I think that you would have to assume that they were going to continue to play the game and maybe even going to aim for the end zone, going to aim just to get in field goal range, things like that. So calling the timeout was the best thing to do for clock management because you can't know that the Raiders were automatically going to run the clock out. So I think that Brandon Staley is definitely getting some false, harsh reactions from fans who really don't know what's going on and thought that Brandon Staley knew all along that the Raiders were just going to kneel it out and call it a tie when he really did not have that knowledge whatsoever. So ultimately, amazing week for football, but I need to get into it. Uh, something that obviously disappointed me was that the Raiders ended up beating the Chargers, which made my whole playoff list very kaflui because that ended up changing who ended up getting in, and I didn't really give a team breakdown for the Raiders, but I want to give you guys, in this week's episode, my playoff predictions. What happens in each game, who wins, who wins the next round, who wins the round after that, and who goes on to hoist the Lombardi Trophy on the final game of the season down in February. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to give you guys all of my picks, all of the close games, my locks for different things that I know will happen this weekend, and then I'm going to give you guys a couple other stories just because I feel like the playoff picks will be kind of quick. So I just wanted to add in some other stuff, maybe about some coaching fires, some coaching hires, some players, things like that. I'm just going to tweedledee and tweedledum around. But I'm going to start it off and get right into it with the wild card in the AFC. The first game that we are looking at is the Cincinnati Bengals against the Las Vegas Raiders. Game one. This one is very difficult to determine who's going to end up coming out on top. Both are riding into the playoffs with so much momentum. 
the Raiders coming off of their firing of John Gruden, their interim head coach, Rich Passaccia, has done a fantastic job. They're coming off of some amazing wins, some really necessary wins, obviously, to keep them back in this picture. Three-game win streak in a row against some really solid opponents, and Derek Carr has really shown that he is that guy. He can put the team on his back, and he is good enough. He is definitely asserting himself into that top 10 quarterback conversation. I think that he is really showing that, especially when he hits the market in free agency very soon, he's going to get a very, very good deal from a team that is willing to put a lot of money into a veteran quarterback who's been there and done that. Derek Carr is exactly that guy. But then the Bengals on the other side, you have heard me preach about how I feel about Joe Burrow. You have heard me preach how I feel about Joe Mixon and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and the entire offense. Not to mention their defense, I really do feel like, is a solid, solid unit. I also do think that the Raiders are a solid defensive unit. I don't know if I'd whose defense I'd say is better. I think that they really just come to play on a different day. I think that if you they each have a big quote unquote shining star, Raiders with Max Crosby and the Bengals with Jesse Bates, and then they all have these really talented mid-level guys all around. Yannick Ngakwe, Trey Hendrickson, that type of trade-off. A young guy in their secondary would be like Von Bell and Trayvon Merrig, guys like that. So it is very evenly balanced on the defensive side, but if I had to give it to one of the two teams, I think that in a very, very close shootout, it is the guy, the young gunner, who is coming for a place in this playoffs and is showing that he is a proven winner. Like I've said time and time before, the way to really just determine it, if it's up in the air, you look for which quarterback has that um factor. And definitely after this win last week, I think that Derek Carr has a certain amount of oomph. But I've said it, Joey, Joey Burrow, Joey Burr has that in him. And I ultimately have the Bengals beating the Raiders 23-20. to 20. The next game, I have Chiefs versus Steelers. This one, a lot of people are expecting it to be a very close one. Ben Roethlisberger's last ride, likely his last game of his entire career, going to be one to definitely remember. But I think that when just looking at the two offenses, offenses alone, the defenses, I completely agree. The Steelers definitely have a more put-together unit. They definitely have the stars and Minka Fitzpatrick and how could I leave him out? TJ Watt, the the likely defensive player of the year, the guy who's putting up 20 plus sacks this season. So great. And I definitely have to give the defense to that. But just strictly looking at the offenses, you have a quarterback that is basically incapable of throwing the ball more than 15 yards down the field, which is just not good for a playoff scenario. He is immobile, he is old, and he has fallen out of touch with what the current NFL is, which is this backyard, crazy style of football. And that is exactly what the Chiefs are so proficient in. And I think that when just looking at those two sides of it alone, that puts the Chiefs over the top. That has a quarterback that is mobile, that can make plays out of nothing, that can scramble, that can throw the ball deep better than, personally, I'd say anybody in the NFL. The only comparison would probably be Aaron Rodgers has a comparable deep ball to Patrick Mahomes. But I think that what Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill have, and what they have had consistently in the playoffs, the Steelers very inconsistent in the playoffs. We literally saw them get dismantled last year by the, the Cleveland Browns. In a crazy game. This year, I do not think that they are going to switch things up. And it's a whole new style. I know that they now have Najee Harris. And they can definitely establish a run game a lot better. But when comparing it to Patrick Mahomes, 
There is no way that Mahomes loses. This is going to be a very high-scoring game. I know that that might seem crazy because both defenses are definitely good, but I think Ben in his final game is going to be pass attempt after pass attempt after pass attempt to keep up with the Chiefs, and I think that the Chiefs are just going to continue slinging, and it's going to be a very hard job for the Steelers to catch up, even with the defensive caliber that they have. So I ultimately have the Chiefs winning 35-28 to in this game. Chiefs move on. The next game in the AFC and the final game in the wild card for the AFC, I have the Patriots and the Bills, and I have an upset alert. Somebody alert the presses. I have an upset. It feels heart-wrenching in my stomach. I feel something churning when I say that I think that Josh Allen, a certified top 10 quarterback, a certified top 10 talent who really has not made it over that hump, is going to lose in the first round. It definitely does not feel right to me. But something that feels even more wrong is saying that Bill Belichick will lose in the first round. I just do not see that happening. And I know that the second that I put my money on the Bills, I've been counted out year and year and year again where I say Bill Belichick isn't equipped to do this, and he goes out and does it. So rather than, it's the same reason why I think Tom Brady is so amazing and going to continue to go so far. It's just, even if the odds are stacked against you, even if everything looks like it's just not in place, even if you just look at the two quarterbacks against each other, Mac rookie Mac Jones, who also does not have a cork of an arm who's throwing the ball deep and doing all this backyard stuff versus Josh Allen, a guy that really has no weaknesses in his game at this point in the season, then you would easily just go with the Bills. But I personally think in Buffalo, not to mention in Buffalo, I'm fully aware that we are playing in one of the hardest home stadiums to play in, probably in the freezing cold. But we have seen Bill Belichick in the freezing cold. We have seen him put the ball on the ground with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris and the rest of the array of running backs and they will pound the ball down the bill's throat and what i'm really scared of is that bill belichick knows how to take away that number one option and when they have jc jackson with devin mccordy shadowing against stefan diggs and pulls him completely out of the picture i don't know if devin singletary gabriel davis cole beasley and dawson knox is enough to beat the overbearing pass rush of Matt Judon, of Josh Uche, of Donta Hightower still in the middle, of their young defensive tackles in Christian Barmore, and their safeties in Kyle Duggar, a guy that I just said last week is the X Factor. Adrian Phillips seems to always get it done. Jonathan Jones in the secondary. Just all of these guys that the Patriots continue to have. Kyle Van Noy. Just so many dudes on that side of the ball that I really do feel confident that it'll definitely give Josh Allen a very difficult day. And then that is where Bill Belichick will strike. Right when he's off of his game, when he throws a pick or two, it's going to be so hard for him to bounce back from a, from a showing like that. And ultimately, Bill Belichick will come out with a W. Mac Jones on his way to looking like a star in this league, looking very, very similar to Tom Brady winning in this first year. And as a Jets fan, I hate to say this. I don't want this to be the reality, but I've seen it play out and I'm not going to fall victim to thinking that the Patriots dynasty is over because I really don't think it is. So I'm going to take the Patriots in the final game. 30 to 27 on a game winning field goal by Nick Folk at around the 50 yard line. Insane kick for the Patriots to go on to beat the Bills. Next, I'm going to the NFC wild card round one, game one. I have the biggest win in the entire wild card, and that is going to the LA Rams beating the Arizona Cardinals game one, 31 to 13. 
Wow. 31 to 13 in a playoff game. Uh, Jason, that is unheard of. Well, when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey, you have a receiving trio in Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford at the helm with Sean McVay putting it all together, that is not going to lose to a team with a with a super young, inexperienced in the playoffs quarterback, a super young, inexperienced head coach in Cliff Kingsbury, a super young, inexperienced defense other than J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Those really seem to be the only two pieces, and I definitely think that they will show themselves and be a relevant piece within that playoff game, but ultimately speaking... It's the Rams. They are going to do such a great job of taking away the first option, all the passing attack with Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. Darius Williams will step up for sure. And then I don't see a way that James Conner will so easily get two red zone touchdowns when they got a guy like Aaron Donald eating the inside of the offensive line. That's going to be so difficult for them to get around. And like I said in last week's episode, I really do think that the Cardinals cornerback too is going to be a problem and a half. So look for Odell Beckham to eat in this first game. I really think that in single coverage, he's not going to be the one that's getting mad. I mean, honestly, I I take it back. I'll say not Odell Beckham, but I think that whoever ends up going against that too is going to really have a difficult time because Byron Murphy might honestly go man on Odell Beckham Jr. because Cooper Cup usually runs within the slot and I don't think that they put Byron Murphy as the slot cornerback, but I'm not even too sure off the top who the slot cornerback of the LA Rams is. So I'd say it's actually Cooper Cup that you guys should be putting your money on, expecting high, high, high reception numbers, yard numbers, and a touchdown or two sprinkled in there. Rams go on to get a surefire, amazing win. Next game, another one that I am very torn about, where I can easily see both teams winning it in a very, very close, fantastic football game. Really excited for this one. It's Cowboys 49ers. Going into this one, Cowboys, I'd say you can argue, top three offense in football. Dak Prescott in the last three weeks of the season has been lights out. This man heard that people were saying that Joe Burrow is going to win the comeback player of the year. And in response, he put up 850 yards and nine touchdowns in two games. I know that those weren't two games in a row, but if you take the football team game and then the other one that he had uh, five touchdowns, I'm forgetting who they played. I think Giants, somebody along those lines. He went berserk. Ezekiel Elliott, still very productive. Tony Pollard, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, a fantastic offensive line. and a fantastic offensive mind to go behind it in Kellen Moore. Ultimately, I think that offense is Super Bowl level. But then when I'm looking at the other side, the 49ers defense is also something to marvel at. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, that's really the crux of the elite, elite players. But those two players know how to affect a field well enough that they are going to help out Dre Greenlaw, help out Eric Armstead, help out Javon Kinlaw, help out the entire cornerback and safety group a ton and force that pressure up on the inside so that it takes a big weight off of the cornerback's shoulders. When I really look at the crux of the entire game, though, what I just said, the receiving core and the passing attack is so strong, and the secondary is so mid for the 49ers that I ultimately have the Cowboys going on to beat them in a very, very close game. 
Jimmy Garoppolo has had more playoff experience and more individual games in the playoffs than even Dak Prescott. Not saying that he's better. I'm just saying that that is something that we need to put out there. I think when it comes playoff time, I said it last podcast, I think Elijah Mitchell in the run game is going to be pivotal to this 49ers offense and them churning and giving him 20 to 25 touches in this game and really looking spectacular. And I think that that would ultimately be the reason for the Niners winning and beating the Dallas Cowboys. But when it really comes down to it, Micah Parsons and that entire defensive front seven for the Dallas Cowboys will do just enough at containing Elijah Mitchell, not in unbelievable performance but a very good performance just enough for their passing attack to get 300 to 400 yards throwing over the heads of Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart and ultimately I have the Cowboys coming out there and winning 42 to 38. Now with the last game of the wild card my most sure fire pick I know that this one will be close. I know that Jalen Hurts will put on a show. Do not get me wrong. I love the Philadelphia Eagles this year but you're telling me People are saying that Tom Brady could lose round one with the same roster that he just went to. Th- I don't want to hear it. Buccaneers, 100%. I think you put money on that money line. I don't know if you do the spread, but I think that it is a guaranteed lock that Tom Brady goes on to win in that first round, regardless of who his receivers are. I have the Buccaneers beating the Eagles 28-21. to I think that it'll be very difficult for the Buccaneers to stop the Eagles' run with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and most of all, Jalen Hurts in the running game. But it's not going to be nearly enough because I think that even if the Eagles do go into the first half with a lead, their defense is not strong enough that they can stop Tom Brady and the array of different ways that they can pass and the ability to go super deep and keep it short and Leonard Fournette in the run game and all of that be more than enough for the Buccaneers to solidify that W, beat the Eagles 28-21. to Next, I have the divisional round in the AFC. So obviously, this is depending on the wins that happen in that first round. So this is not how the games will 100% look if there is a different outcome. If I'm wrong on one of the two of them, something's going to look different. But this is given my games, this is how the games would line up. Next game, another high flyer, super young, backyard football game, offensive football for the ages, Chiefs-Bengals. Another super close one. But when I look at it, Both sides has a clear winner, both offense and defense, and I have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes has been there. Mahomes has done this. Even though the Bengals do have a top three to five receiving core and a total offense as a whole, it's nowhere near Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. CJ Uzoma is on an entirely different galaxy than Travis Kelsey is when talking about tight ends. Tyreek Hill's speed, even though Jamar Chase is up there with the best of them for fast receivers, Tyreek Hill solidifies himself as that guy when it comes to speedy receivers. Patrick Mahomes on the long ball, on the backyard type play. Again, like DJ Reader, great nose tackle, but he's no Chris Jones. The only one that I can really think in the other way is, I think... Jesse Bates, you could argue at this point in his career, is better than Tyron Matthew, but even so, Tyron Matthew has been there. Tyree, Tyron Matthew has shown that he turns the hell up when it comes to playoff time, and I think he will do the exact same again. He had a very shaky start to the season, but definitely bounced back a lot more in the second half, and I think continues to get better and better with age, looking like a prime stake, keep getting better with age. Ty, Tyron Matthew, I really do trust as a deep ball 
guard and helping to make sure that Jamar Chase does not have one of those takeoff runs. T. Higgins is not getting 10 to 15 receptions per game. Tyler Boyd is not eating in the middle of the field. It's definitely going to be a hard task to stop that offense, but I think that the offensive firepower of the Chiefs is just enough that they will come out on top 38-32. to 32. Next game, Patriots-Titans, a crazy one. Everyone that I am listening to, you guys know that to keep this job, for me to be as on point with the stuff that I am with the NFL as I can be, I need to look at NFL Twitter, NFL TikTok, NFL YouTube, all the time and just hear what the normal media is saying about teams. And everyone loves the Titans, except for me. I don't know. I can't pull myself to do it. It's just something about that defense, the inexperiencedness of Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons. They have not been in this elite at their position level forever. And that really seems like the only two positions. You're telling me that if Bill Belichick has Caleb Farley and St. Juiced, and I'm not even too sure, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, some of these names at cornerback, I don't even know if should be in the league, let alone should be the one and the two on a playoff team. I don't know, and I think that the only way that the Titans go on to win this game is if Derrick Henry is just so unstoppable, which I don't see him doing that in this first game. I've heard he's fresh-footed, he's had all this time to rest, to heal, but I personally think he's looked so much better when he's on this dominant tear and has the momentum behind him, let alone zero momentum, hasn't played in a while, that's a bad thing. I don't look at this as a plus that he's been out for the past two months, which a lot of people have been. They're saying, oh, Derrick Henry coming back for the first time, getting to look like we've never seen him before. I personally think that they're not going to be running it 20 to 25, 25 to 30 times. And even if they do, Bill Belichick is so, so great at shutting down your number one option that the Patriots will definitely come out and beat the Tennessee Titans. I have a couple bets right now that the Titans don't win their first game. I feel really confident that Ryan Tannehill when put up to the test against a guy like Bill Belichick, when put up against Joe Burrow, when put up against Patrick Mahomes, all these teams that could possibly be there, Josh Allen even, like the even Ben Roethlisberger and that Steelers front. I just don't see Ryan Tannehill stepping up to the challenge after seeing what he's done this season. Horrible touchdown to interception ratio has not been the same guy that we've seen over the last two years. Other than A.J. Brown, they don't have much at receiver. Their offensive line is good, but definitely banged up. And then their defense seems so star-dependent, and the stars don't even have that playoff consistency. So I'm going to go with the Patriots beating the Titans in a low-scoring one, 20-17. Definitely close, but definitely Patriots. Next, in the divisional game, NFC, Buccaneers-Cowboys. Another offensive masterclass. This will be a very, very good game to watch. But I think that when it just comes down to it, it is Tom Brady against a team that has really fallen to its expectations over the last 20 years consistently. And even though we can't just hang our heads on, this is the, oh, same old Cowboys, are you still dem boys, like all those memes, I know that we can't just hang our hats on that and make that the automatic reason, but the offensive firepower of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is just going to be so hard for the Cowboys defense to keep up with when their two best players are rookies and sophomores. That's just so hard against a guy that has been doing this year in and year out for 22 plus years in the NFL. He knows how to dink and dunk. He knows how to throw it long. He knows how to expose these teams. And I ultimately have the Buccaneers going out to beat the Cowboys 33 to 23. 10 point win for the Buccaneers. 
I know that on the flip side, you could definitely say, oh, but if Brady's good enough against that defense, then wouldn't Dak and that amazing offense be good enough to beat the Buccaneers defense? I think on a given week, yes, but I think that when it just is in that playoff environment, and we saw last year Antoine Winfield steps up, and Devin White steps up, and Shaq Barrett, and JPP, and the trio of corners that I really love, ultimately those are just enough for the Buccaneers to go out and get the W. They end up winning 33-23, to like I had said. And then the last game in the NFC, my boy Aaron Rodgers steps up to the plate. Aaron Rodgers versus the LA Rams versus Jalen Ramsey. This is a repeat of the same game that we saw last year, and it's going to be the same outcome. I hate to say it, I really do love the Rams so much, and I think that they are that team. I love the Rams, but in this Cinderella story season, in this final dance, in this oh my, I don't even know like what to call the Packers season this season. I mean, it's been great. It's been great. That is what I need to call it. They played amazing football with David Bakhtiari out, and then Elton Jenkins out, and then Jair Alexander out, and all of these guys all around the team have been out, and they have consistently showed up and showed out in the games that matter, and that is just what Aaron Rodgers does, and I think that he continues to do that same thing in this game. Packers go on to beat the LA Rams 27-24. to I think that we need to watch... Its own show is just Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. And it just watches the two of them on every single route. Because that is going to be something that I am going to be mouth-watering to watch. Who's going to win that matchup? I'd love to see it go either way. Because I really think that both of them are generational talents that we need to look at and will be remembered for years and years to come. I think Aaron Donald filling in this middle area. I think that now without Corey Lindsley on the Packers, that is definitely going to be hard for them to hold him back and restrain him from getting two to four sacks and a ton of hits and pressures and things like that throughout the game. But ultimately, like I just said, Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be enough. And and then that defense also, it is top eight. I can't disagree with that. I'm actually, funny enough, rebuilding a Madden team right now on the franchise mode with the Packers. And when I just look at that defense, I'm like, holy moly, Amos and Savage and... Rashawn Gary has been fantastic this season, and Zadarius Smith, and Kenny Clark, and Jair Alexander, and Chris Barnes, and oh my god, how could I forget Devondre Campbell? So many guys around that team are really talented on the defensive side, so it's not like it's an all-offensive showcase. I think that they're going to do a very good job against Matthew Stafford as well, but ultimately, Packers go on to win. Final four teams looking like Chiefs, Patriots, Buccaneers, Packers little familiar, I think that that is the AFC Conference Championship from two years ago and the NFC Conference Championship from last year. It's just funny how people said that this year was so unpredictable and anything could happen, and I literally have it lined up that it's basically the same matchups that we've already seen. But that only makes and solidifies these rivalries that make fantastic television and fantastic games that we'll look at in the future as a rivalry to remember in 2022. Chiefs-Patriots, Game 1. Very tough one. Like I said, so hard for anybody to beat Bill Belichick. So hard for anybody to beat Patrick Mahomes. It's really just who do you think is more talented in what they do and who affects the game on a higher level. And I know that Bill Belichick controls the whole field. But I think that Patrick Mahomes has a destiny that he is trying to fulfill this year. He is trying to become this next GOAT. 
He's the best player, in my opinion, out of my years of watching football. I have gone back and watched tape. I've watched Aaron Rodgers. I've watched Peyton Manning. I have watched Brett Favre. I've watched all of these different quarterbacks that have been so fantastic at slinging the football. And I really do think that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented player to ever play the sport of football. And I think that he fulfills his destiny and goes on to beat the Patriots. Once again, I know that uh, four years ago or three years ago, he actually lost to the Patriots to go on to make the Super Bowl. But then more recently, he beat the Patriots to go on to make the Super Bowl. And I think he does that exact same thing again. This is the same Super Bowl pick that I had had from weeks and weeks ago, still lining up perfectly. I think that ultimately, Chiefs beat Patriots 31-24 in a very close heater, a nail biter where we don't know what's happening. I really hope that like uh, this is a wild idea and I'm not saying that this is a 100% prediction that will happen but I'd love to see the Patriots come out to the lead and Bill Belichick get dotted up on final drives which is something that he never does and it'll really show that Patrick Mahomes has taken that crown as the most talented guy throw another jet chip wasp or some other play that we've never seen out of the crazy miraculous mind of Andy Reid I would love 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 to see that Chiefs go on to beat the Patriots, 31-24. Chiefs on to the Super Bowl. Next game, NFC Conference Championship. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, arguably two of the best quarterbacks of the last decade to the last two decades. Two guys that consistently get it done, that show up when it's necessary. And this year is both of their chances. It's Tom Brady doing what he's done every single year versus the guy Aaron Rodgers who finally needs to get over that hump. Both storylines seem so possible, so probable, but every single time that I root against or think that the other team is going to win against Tom Brady, he proves me wrong. And like I said earlier, I am not making that mistake. If I am going to die on a hill, it is going to be that Tom Brady will win. That is a hill that I will die on always. If I'm wrong, it's Tom Brady. How could I not pick him? And if it's, and if I'm right, (laughs) <laughs> then exactly. I proved everybody that said that Aaron Rodgers is finally doing this, this in his final year. Again, only solidifying Brady even stronger as one of the ch- the best, most accomplished players, not one of, the most accomplished player in NFL history. Buccaneers beat the Packers 42-38. to Both of these games, top games, top tier games in the NFL. Super Bowl is set. Buccaneers, Chiefs. SoFi Stadium, California, February 13th. Unreal game. I cannot wait, regardless of who's in this position. In my opinion, it is Buccaneers Chiefs, rematch of last year. Last year going in, I said Chiefs to the moon. And this year, I changed that. Buccaneers go on to beat the Chiefs 38 to 30. Mahomes has a fantastic game, passes for three to four touchdowns. Both combi- both quarterbacks, I'd say, combine for a nutty total. And I think it is going to be score, 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 score. Similar to the Patriots-Eagles game years back, I think that it is going to be very hard for both of these defenses to stop either of the offenses. They have enough holes, and the talent of the opposing quarterback is enough that they will score on basically every single possession, at least in my mind. And it will be a game for the ages that ultimately has Tom Brady continuously never failing to push up, uh, produce points, and put points on the board. 
And I just don't see Mahomes being able to do that 100% of the time. I see him able to do it 80 to 90. And that one possession that he misses, Brady scores, makes it a 10 to 14 point game. And it's just not enough for the Chiefs to claw back and make it. Ultimately, Buccaneers beating the Chiefs 38 to 30. Book it. Sauce Lab. These are all the games that I'm putting my Sauce Lab approved stamp on. I feel really confident that this is how the playoffs are going to shake out. Ultimate, these games look mouthwatering. Some highlights, just if I were to look back on some of the games that would be my favorite or the best to watch, in my opinion. Cowboys 49ers in round one and Patriots Bills in round one. Those are probably my two favorites in the divisional. Chiefs Bengals and I'd say Packers Rams are probably my two favorite in the divisional. Those two are going to be extremely close. Both of the conference championship and the Super Bowl are all going to be some of the most viewed games in history, some of the highest scoring games in history, some of the best single player performances in NFL history. And I'm so excited to see it all unfold. So that is it. That is the Sauce Lab podcast playoff prediction for 2022. Now, while we have a little bit more time, I just wanted to go over some other topics at the very end. First, the Black Monday finally passed, which is the day that all of the NFL coaches who were on the hot seat get the decision whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go. And a lot of names went. Mike Zimmer, Vic Fangio, Urban Meyer... John Gruden, David Culley, Joe Judge, and the weirdest one of all, in my opinion, the one that I really wanted to make this episode for, Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins was fired. I just want to say, what the fuck? What are you doing, Dolphins? When I look at this roster, like I've said, they have two players who are above average at their position. That is Mike Kosicki, that is Xavier Howard. You do not look at me and tell me Emmanuel Ogba is a great edge rusher. Don't look at me and say uh, Tua is a top 15 passer. Don't say Miles Gaskin. Don't say, I mean, uh, now you could honestly put Jalen Waddle in there. Honestly, yeah, that is very true. I'll throw Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki, and Xavier Howard. But that's about it. Byron Jones is playing down. Andrew Van Ginkle, solid. Jerome Baker, solid. These guys around the defense are just above average. And what it really seems like is that somebody got the talent out of them, got them to play at this over-expected level to get them to 10-6 and and 9-8 and two years in a row. And that guy, I have got to see from the football fan's perspective, from somebody who studies the game as much as I do, it seems like it was Brian Flores' job to put these things together. Uh, Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk said it best. He turned the chicken shit into chicken salad. He made it happen, and he was the reason, in my opinion, that they did this. And I think that ultimately it was just the owner being selfish and greedy and saying that if we were so close, how did we not get over the hump? I think ultimately they had a 6-10 and and 8-9 and roster, not a 9-8 and and 10-6 and roster, and Brian Flores was the only reason why they were even the 8 seed and the 9 seed in their respective years and not the 10, and they were not a top 10 pick in the draft. Like, I just don't really get it. I think that he brought to the table so many traits that you want to see. He willed his players to win. He had that unbelievable seven-game win streak, even if it was against some pretty bad opponents. They were big wins. He turned the ship around. He righted it, which clearly meant that the locker room bought in. I kept seeing these videos of Dolphins players going, uh, here's another one, three, four, five in a row. All They're like so fun. They're having fun with it. That's Brian Flores' 
his job. He's the one that really turned it around, and they're getting rid of him. It really does not make sense to me. Ultimately, I think that this is going to be a very great opportunity for him to land in a place with better talent so that he can really show himself, go on, make the playoffs, and be the player that I, th the coach that I think he is and he can be with a better all-around cast. Give him one of the three quarterbacks that's going to move in Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers. Give him an already veteran roster that has some playoff experience with a couple hard-nosed guys because he's a part of that play, uh, Patriots coaching tree where he's definitely hard-nosed and wants to get to the bottom of why they're not doing good and turn the ship around immediately. Brian Flores is that guy, and I'm very excited for wherever he ends up signing because he is the best in this coaching crop for sure. The only other teams that I could personally see as also maybe firing their head coach, or they should have, or it's at least a conversation, is the Panthers and the football team with Ron Rivera and Matt Rule, just because I had really high expectations for both of those teams going into this year, and they both definitely did not hit those expectations. So I think that it is at, it's at least valid to have that conversation. But then the one that I really do think should have happened, for sure, but wasn't going to regardless, and I knew that I was going to get on the podcast and talk about this right after Black Monday, is still Pete Carroll. I am still thinking that the Seahawks have a ceiling that they have yet to reach, and the fact that he is staying and being a part of that regime, and he will continue to want to run the run game with Rashad Penny rather than opening up the offense to Russell Wilson in that amazing passing game, I think that that is going to be the primary reason for why he leaves this offseason and finds a new home for the rest of his career. Ultimately, the ones that did fire, I think, were all necessary except for Brian Flores. And then the, the other one would be John Gruden. Technically resigned, didn't really get fired, but obviously he was told, please get out of the building for all the atrocious stuff that he did this year. But ultimately, after he left, Rich Basaccia did a fantastic job of turning the ship around. And I think that personally, just for them making the playoffs alone he should keep the job. He should get at least one year under the helm where he shows what he's capable of with this team, with this young roster, this young defense, and tries to make something out of it. He definitely deserves it after what he did for the rest of this season, and I really like him as the Raiders head coach. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is another thing that is coming up around the corner as the playoffs get deeper is the NFL awards. And I think that a lot of them are starting to carve themselves out. As much as I said Brady early in the season, it seems like Rodgers will win MVP. It seems like Jamar Chase will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons for Defensive Player of the Year. I think it could be either Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, or Aaron Donald for Defensive Player, but it most likely will go to TJ Watt because of his sack numbers. Coach of the Year is pretty up in the air, but you have your good I like general consensus of who it's going to be. The one, the one position where it genuinely will be a coin toss is Offensive Player of the Year. And in my opinion, I know that this might sound crazy, but you do a split award. You give it to two players, and I think that you guys know exactly who those two players are. Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. In this 17-game format, they both went absolutely crazy this year, and neither deserves to be snubbed. So rather than snubbing one and angering an entire fan base, an entire fantasy ownership, and an entire group of people, you split the award. They've done it before. They can do it again. They both deserve it. They both played unbelievable seasons, so much better than all of their competitors within that position. John Taylor, far and away the best running back. Cooper Cup, far and away the best receiver, both statistically and efficiency-wise. 
Love both of them. And I am proposing the idea on the Sauce Lab podcast. Split the award. Give it a both. Call it a day. Make everybody so happy. Well, that is it. That's all I have for today. Another fantastic episode goes by. Another me crossing my fingers and hoping that these predictions are correct. I think that you guys can definitely hear, regardless of whether I'm correct or not, I'm using some pretty good facts to back up my reasoning for why these things I think are going to go this way. Obviously, people are going to disagree. Obviously, people are going to have opposing opinions. This is just where I'm coming from, just how I feel here on the Sauce Lab podcast. Have a great week, and I'll see you guys at the next week of the NFL playoffs after we have all of our results from week one in the wildcard round. Love you guys. Have a great week. Peace.